Hey everybody, it's me. So what you're about to hear is our Twitch stream, uh, Shira Exit Interview Panel number the first from last night. Uh, we immediately ripped the audio and put it into the podcast feed so you would have it to enjoy the next day. So what this is, is a panel we hosted on Zoom. Uh, so Lauren and I hosted it with uh, Josie Campbell, M. Willis, Sharon Sun, Jen Bennett, Noel Stevenson, and Phil Lomboy. Six really awesome people who... Um, were uh, instrumental to Shira existing, obviously. So we're gonna ask them a bunch of questions that were submitted by fans and some listeners, and uh, it's a, it's a really good time. And we're gonna do this all again next Wednesday at 5:30 p.m. Pacific time, also over on Twitch at my Twitch channel, which is Twitch.tv/EricCGarneau. So if that sounds cool to you, you should tune in then, and then that'll also be next week's podcast episode. So. It's not like you're going to miss anything. All right, y'all. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shira Progressive of Powers, Shira the Exit Interviews. My name is Eric. And I'm Lauren. And we are so, so happy to have you here. This is, uh, we only call these the exit interviews. Let me just get this out of the way because Lauren and I have been doing a Shira podcast for about three years and we figured we'd try to get to episode 100. And to get there, we thought we'd do some celebrations of kind of the entire She-Ra and the Princesses of Power show. And so we had this wild idea to do like an interview with some of the cast and crew and stream it. And that is what we're seeing right now. So before we throw to them, I just want to shout out our dear helpers, uh, Tech Tom, who is making this look and sound good, and also moderating the chat along with our friend Tori. So please, everybody, be kind and nice in the chat. We know you will be, and you have been already. We love you. So, okay, I have to give credit where credit is due. This was actually kind of Shane Lynch's idea, as well as M. Willis and uh, Laura Sreebney. We were talking to all of them on the last season of our podcast, and they all kind of noted how uh, it was a bummer that the last season of Shira came out during COVID because no one could like get together and celebrate during convention season, uh, which is would be like a really cool thing to do to put a capstone on this show that so many wonderful people worked on. So uh, Lauren and I very boldly emailed DreamWorks and was like, what if we just did like a panel on the internet? And it turned into something really amazing. Uh, so that's why we have such an amazing group of people here to talk to today. We solicited questions from uh, fans of Shira and our listeners. We got over a thousand questions, actually, many of them about one thing that we will certainly address we'll before this is it. over. <laughs> we promise. Uh, but Lauren, I'm going to throw to you so we can get some more business done here. Awesome. It's so nice to see you all, all your faces. I've been hearing your voices for many weeks and months and years, and it's just wonderful in this time to see everyone smiling. Thank you all for being here. We're so honored. Uh, everyone in the chat, it's weird. This would like normally be a nice full convention hall at like Comic Con or something, and there would normally be applause. Uh, so thank you for doing that in the chat it, through emojis and colors and enthusiasm. <laughs> um, we can hear you from here, I, I promise. It's just making my heart flutter. Uh, let's meet our panelists. Today, uh, we are honored to have Noelle Stevenson, who is the showrunner and executive producer of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Jen Bennett, a, who is a director. Josie Campbell, a story editor. Editor Phil Lomboy. M. Willis, who's one of our writers, and board artist, Sharon Sun. Hello, everybody. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. So 
we want to start off by just thanking you all for being here and for working on such an amazing show. Uh, it took so many people by storm, by surprise. It gave us all something to love during really a, a horrible time of kind of just existing in general. And uh, the number one thing we got to say at the top is that so many people wrote to us, I think thinking that we were you, um, expressing gratitude for making a cartoon with such historic representation and being just so progressive politically, which is something obviously Lauren and I love. And it's so great and important. So thank you all for that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we start with the hard questions here, you know. Just flattery, like, like 10 solid minutes of my flattery. Interview on. style is very much like the Chris Farley show, so. Uh. <laughs> so uh, I do want to tell the people watching live that um, we got, like we said, a thousand questions. We will not be able to cover them all, but I promise you the ones that we got the most of, we are going to ask. And so hopefully the most people possible will be stoked on the information you get today. Uh, I do wanna point out that we do have our podcast and most of the people you see before you have been on the show before, um, with the exception of our new friends, Phil and Sharon. Uh, everyone sorry, else. Yeah, everyone else has been interviewed on She-Ra Progressive of Power. And so there are some questions that we received that were answered either on our podcast or on uh, some other very popular or easily accessible panels that are out there online. And so if there's something you ask that has been maybe answered a few times before, you might not see it in this interview, but we promise it's out there. We heard you and we appreciate your questions so much. And I just want to give a special welcome to Sharon and Phil. Thank you for being here and talking to us. Like we tried to get to as many people as we could. It's really special to have some of you guys here at the end, especially on the more technical side of things. I know I'm like a writing nerd, but it's really awesome to, to hear from that part of the production as well. So thank you so much for lending your expertise to this panel. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you. Absolutely. You ready for some questions, y'all? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's we do actually it. are going to start easy, so yes. <laughs> alert, alert. Eric, why don't you take the first one? Oh, okay. Um, great. So this was actually my favorite question of all the ones that we got from Amelia Pond eighteen eighteen on Twitter. I think it's a nice breezy way great to start name. things great off. Great name. <laughs> if you could choose to switch places with any one of the S Pop characters who would you switch with and why? Now, my twist to that is that also they have to switch with you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, so let's let's nice. hear from everybody on that one. Let's start with uh, with Josie. Oh, boy. Um, well, until you said they'd switch with me, I was going to say Double Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but Double Trouble is especially equipped to switch with you. <laughs> no, that is true. But, like, I do think that they might, like, like delightfully mess up my life just to uh, just to have fun. But like, I don't know, I guess I'll go with Devil Trouble. They, uh, they, they have the least angst of everyone on our show. Uh, I think it'd be pretty, uh, pretty easy to switch back and forth and just have fun and uh, talk theater uh, in two different realms. <laughs> em, how about you? Uh, I'd say Perfuma, mostly because I would love to have her in my place because I just killed another plant. Uh, so <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> and, and I would love to just sit and meditate and do like, I actually just bought a water coloring set. So I'm going to get into that. And I was like, yeah, like I'd love to just like sit and meditate and do some watercolors. Yeah. Sharon? Oh, uh, no, the, the answer you guys all think. I think I would... <laughs> 
I would also say Perfuma. That way I could date Scorpio. Yes! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Perfuma can go take care of my garden. <laughs> I need everyone watching to know that Sharon is like the ruler of the buff ladies in our show. The buff no, it's also partially like, just, partially just. Yes, just as well. But yeah. like Sharon just had a special place in her heart for those buff ladies and we were the beneficiaries of that. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Buff bug ladies. <laughs> and bugs. Yeah. yeah. Buff bugs. Sharon's <laughs> <Buff laughs> <Sharon> whole thing. <laughs> Jen, how about you? Uh, I also would say double trouble, except for now the reversal of like, I don't know what state my life would be in if we actually switch roles uh, uh, coming back. So um, maybe Georgia Lance. I want a cool magical library and to go on like archaeological adventures. <laughs> Nice. And they'd be good stewards of your life, I think, very respectful. They would clean up my apartment. It is not in good shape. <laughs> they would organize my bookshelves. I'd be so happy. <laughs> yeah, well, how about you? Um. Okay. I, I actually think I would switch with Seahawk, just because he has a flying boat. Um, he's very handsome, and I would like to date Remista. So I feel like that would be like a fun, yeah. Also squats. You love to do squats. <laughs> Arm wrestling like me, so like that wouldn't really work out for either of us. Um, yeah. I, we put our characters through so much on the show that I feel like there are a lot of characters that I'm like, they're my favorite, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in your place. No <laughs> and Phil, you. Uh... There's a few, but I'd honestly probably pick Perfuma as well. I like the idea of like being able to control nature for several reasons. And as far as her switching into my role, I, don't, I guess I'd probably, she'd probably make like a plant golem to do editing or something. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I would also pick Perfuma. That's wild. I just love yeah. the elemental types. Lauren, do you have a choice? I know this is not about us, but weird oh. synchronicity here. I think Frosta has like the, the coolest digs oh, to yeah. live in. Probably oh, Frosta yeah. in terms of kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Your life though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a communications professional and maybe that's not her strongest suit, but <laughs> in a different way. She just but, do it in a different way she's, from she's, me. She's definitely yeah. studied her public speaking. You can yeah. tell, like she's good at giving a speech. I can respect our creative differences. You could, you could probably stand to punch more in your day to day too. Yeah, I yeah. to I tell you say, that. So. If Frost is yeah. like, if there were creative differences, she would just, you know. Yes. Uh, so we wanted to hear from everyone oh, well, on that question. Oh, now I think we get into some actual questions. Yes. So like, we wanted to hear from everyone on that one, but etiquette wise, uh, for some of these, whoever has the answer can sort of go with it, and not everyone has to talk if you don't feel like you have it. I'm we're going to see if we like remember the answer. It's like been a little while for us. So, like, grill you about lore. Yeah. But it's from the classic Shira show. That's the twist. So, oh my God. Oh. You studied. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our show. Uh, so, we got the most by far fan questions about Catradora. Let's see some Catradora hype in the chat, uh, which I'm sure has been happening this whole time. I don't even have to ask for it. Uh, so, First Catradora question is that uh, the original 80s Shira had a big rogues gallery of villains. What stood out about the original Catra that made you decide, quote from Brenton Davis uh, via email, this is the one that Shira is going to kiss. <laughs> 
I'm just like a sucker for like a, like a nemesis ship. There's just something to me that is just like, there's so much just like spicy, like, like sparks there. Um, and, and like, it was one of the first, they actually, um, the executive I was working with on developing the show, she actually kind of, that. although I don't think she knew that like, you know, she'd be like, I thought they should have more of a relationship. And I'm my head. I was like, kissing. Yes. No more. I don't think that she quite under, like knew that that was what I was going to do at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like they're, they're, they're sort of um, like catch, I think, in like before they brought in Hordak and brought in the rest of all the Masters of the Universe characters, Catcher was kind of the main villain to She-Ra. They were counterparts. So um, it just made sense to me that they would have a special connection and that, that would turn into, you know, romance. Just makes sense to me. So playing off of that, uh, a very saucy question we got uh -oh. from a couple of people is, was the Catradora kiss the first kiss that Catra and Adora had together and like separately? Oh my God, this is dangerous. <laughs> Isn't we're, it all, we're all leaning in now. <laughs> right away, we went there right away. <laughs> I, told, I told my head canon and she angry at me, insisted that I was wrong. So this might be um, a bigger thing than I, but you asked me, so I have to answer, I guess. We had actually discussed Catra having a kiss with Scorpia earlier and <gasps> like in, in the place of where you would expect it in season three as just like kind of a sort of like ill-fated romance. And so like, uh, that was something that did not pan out. Um, but in my heart, I still kind of believe that like Catra was like, well, I guess we're gonna die, so why not? Um, don't get too mad at me, please. Dora, I don't think she's kissed anybody else. I think that was her first kiss. Yeah. She's never even thought about it until suddenly she's like, wait, is this happening? The chat just blew up there. Oh, God. <laughs> Lots what of have shock. I done? <laughs> I, Molly got so mad at me when I said that. She's like, no. Well, we're gonna, I mean, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, keep it kind of spicy because oh. the second, the second most popular question, I'm sure you can guess what the most popular question was. The second most popular question was, uh, at one point, Catra says she and Adora were growing up in the horde and they used to stay up late whispering about whatever. What do you think some of the things uh, they were whispering about might be? <laughs> we all lean forward and look at Noelle again. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to know what Josie thinks. Josie, what do you think? <laughs> That's actually kind of a question for Kat Catherine Nolfi who's going to be on the other panel, because um, that was her episode. So I don't know if you want to like save that one for later, Ooh. but yeah, I'm pretty sure she wrote that line. So I think that she'd have more insight. That's great. All right, we'll we'll punt that to next week. Uh, I think that's a that's a great call. Uh, do you Re-advertising have... for the next yeah. panel. <laughs> yes, which we will announce at the end, uh, the date of it and all that good stuff. Uh, there was also a lot of questions about Catra's kind of lore. We're going to try to keep a lot of the nuts and bolts lore out of this, but people really, really want to know, uh, like, how did Catra become kidnapped? Who are her people? Why did she first join the Horde? Are these things that, like, exist in a Bible somewhere, or was it just kind of like you you did what you needed as the the story progress in the modern day or like are there answers to these things I guess and, and might we know them <laughs> um I, I've, I've said this before but honestly the writers the t number of times that we ever said the word magic hats I think is zero <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
we did not expect the outpouring. I don't even know, like, I think I mentioned that episode before, but in a different way. So, like, Josie, like, I don't know if you remember, did we ever talk about... No, I think, because we had watched, like, some Shira episodes, and we had mentioned that there's the episode with, like, the magic cats, like, um, and that's why old Catra had the tiara, but, yeah. like, I... But she I, wasn't I, even a magic cat, she was, like, an imposter. Yeah, she, yeah, she had stolen the like, tiara from the magic I'm cat. the queen! <laughs> <laughs> I think we spent more time talking about the actress, like, meowing into her lines than the lore of the magic cat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a lot more just like we, we so much of Catra was just like in like either like her relationship with Adora, relationship with Shadow Weaver. It felt like she was her own character, not necessarily like coming out of like, here's this giant backstory. It felt like she was defining herself in a lot of her talks, I felt like. Is it, it safe yeah. to yeah. Oh sorry. Oh, uh, no, it, it felt like we talked more about Scorpio's people than we mm -hmm. ever talked really about. Because we get yeah. that wonderful episode that Laura wrote um in season four uh with scorpia's backstory and kind of the kingdom of the scorpions and i remember we googled like do scorpions glow in the dark and just like a lot of weird <laughs> scorpion stuff they do and i have a black light <laughs> <laughs> the entire reason i'm following my favorite sharon memory is like we went camping in joshua tree and at one point sharon's just like it's a scorpion like so excited and the they're like like underneath your tent, I'm pretty sure. There it was, was a camel like, spider. It was oh, even better. Right. It was so <laughs> cute. <laughs> I think later that same trip, you saw like a tarantula wasp. Yes, yeah. Like, oh, wow. And yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> good bugs. Um, yeah, I also feel like we sort of like, like with Jen and because you were the team on the Promise episode in season one, and I felt like we talked, I don't know that we ever talked about, like, Catra's story before the Horde, but I felt like that was where we talked the most about, like, what their childhood was like growing up in the Horde, and I felt like we sort of, like, changed things, like, kind of, like, like, that, that's, or the flashbacks kind of changed a lot as we went. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how that worked, but I feel like, Jen, you, you, like, pitched some of that to me of being, like, like, oh, like maybe something like this or something like that was like one of the first episodes where I felt like we really like figured out so much of it, like in Phil's editing day and just like, um, yeah, I don't know if you remember anything about that. It's don't been so long. Specifics. I just remember being like, so basically in summary, Katra hates herself and that's why like, <laughs> yeah. like, like all of this is not about what Adora has done or it is, but mostly it was, yeah. <laughs> And to be able to have that conversation on Phil's couch, like, yes. like while we were all, the three of us were talking about it together, I was like, oh, this show is uh, gonna go places. Like, this is like the most rewarding experience I've had being able to like dissect this character. But yeah, like as far as her backstory, it never really came into it. A lot yeah. of who Catra was, was like, she was an orphan and she was defining herself as she went. And I think that was something mm -hmm. that was really important to her, maybe too important to her is uh, like, you know, not being defined by her past or where she came from. Awesome answer. Uh, Jen, you said somewhere back there that Katra hates herself, and that's actually, uh, you know, joking, not joking, there, that transitions into our next question really well. 
Um, we had a lot of people write in about sort of the mental health uh, struggles of our characters, especially after the show has ended. So any of you can answer this. Uh, how do you see some of our characters confronting their personal issues moving forward after season five, from maybe some of the interdependence issues in Catcher Dora to the squad's recovery from abuse by Shadow Weaver, war-related trauma? Like, how do you see some of that healing happening? I feel like we just poured so much of ourselves into these characters yeah. and it was something where we like it like it would get really like kind of raw in the writer's room or in like the editing bay like it was just like let's just like pour out all of this like trauma and all of this just like you know stress and anxiety and like work on it through the characters so I feel like I'm I think like I think the characters would work on their like issues that we kind of did <laughs> of just like you know sort of like like in the process of talking about it and discussing it and and confronting it through in our case the fictional show we were working on um I mean I feel like it's just a lot of the characters have trouble saying what it is they really want saying what it is who they who it is they really are or who they want to be and so that like so many of their problems the inability to see eye to eye and really communicate and I feel like in that final season, you start seeing that communication start to up. And so that's something that I think that just like, you know, the ability of them to like hear each other when they talk and, and understand what each other is saying and, and see it from their point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my thought. I also think it'd be great if they went to therapy. Just <laughs> Therapy is wonderful. I think <laughs> yeah. what Perfume is going to do at the end of this. She's just like, all right, everybody sit down on the couch. <laughs> also got, I think Perfume needs therapy. She's the most anxious person on the show, even though she's like, I'm trying to be calm. She's like freaking out at all times. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I'm not who like therapist is, but I, they have to find one. <laughs> yeah, just instilling like a belief in self-esteem is something I found really helpful in the writers' room and in the community of Shira. Of just, you know, we all like kind of believed in one another and lifted one another up, and finding our characters doing that as well. Like my favorite, one of my favorite scenes from this last season is the scene with uh, Scorpion Perfume of just like I believe in you and like the horde got in your mind. And you need to get rid of all of that energy because it's not serving you. And, you know, I believe in you. I wish you could believe in you the way I believe in you. And that was how I felt going into the writer's room every day. Oh. So, that conversation, yeah. like, every day with every person yeah. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always, like, there's that last scene with um, with Mara and, and She-Ra in, in the finale. And I just remember that was actually kind of a late addition. And so... Honestly, I felt like it was almost like a conversation that like Jen and I had had at one point, or it was something that it's just like, you deserve to be happy. Go home, go to bed. And you, and you're more than this. And so I always kind of like, yeah, I always, I always like cry at that scene. I always kind of think of Jen in that scene too, because it's just, it was, that was, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I really also like, oh, sorry. Oh no, I was going to say it's nice. I mean, as much as we like all port the story of like the things we're working on, and like a little bit of our traumas into this. It also was like the things that like helped us got put in as well, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. And I think, I don't know, that was like, it was like part of the joy of being part of the crew was that everybody was supporting each other, especially like at the end, everybody like, like everybody like knew how to work with each other. Everybody was so excited. Everybody was like pulling 
like every, like it was so collaborative in a way that I've never seen on any other show I've worked on. And like, I feel like that came in where like, you know, us as a crew was pulling together to make this show as we're watching our princesses and like ex-horde soldiers pulling together to save the planet. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it just, it just, it felt right. <laughs> And I think Phil's couch was kind of like our therapy couch <laughs> on the crew. <laughs> Phil had the most calming office and he's just over there working and someone would just be on his couch. Just like, I'm Phil, I'm You had the plants and everything. Plants, <laughs> yeah, I had music. Uh -huh. Gotta make sure everybody's coffee. Calm, you know? yeah, coffee in the morning. Phil made coffee every morning. Yeah. I still make everybody. it every Aww. day. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like that was where a lot of like story ideas came from of just like pouring our hearts out to each other and then being like I'm gonna write that in <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when the fans like analyze the characters I like learn something about myself where I'm like oh <laughs> like I just kept seeing all of these like Adora is ADHD headcanons and I'm like I do all this in too <laughs> <laughs> look so, at that mirror <laughs> Lauren, you got to take the next question, even though we've been alternating. This is you all over oh, it. Oh, I'm going to panic. So um, my favorite character is Angela, my mother and my queen. And um, this, I asked this question, but so did many of our fans. Was saving Angela ever on the table? Is she alive? What happened to her? Please save us. <laughs> Oh, how much do we want to say? <laughs> we're, we're not working for DreamWorks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we had some. We had some ideas. I think Josie is especially like great idea that she pitched, or it was like a dream that you had, and then you pitched it to us. Yeah. Um, I'm still very attached to it, and that's almost the reason I don't really want to talk about it because I, if like we ever do end up doing anything. I want it to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, who knows? Is it the one that I think it is? With the thing? The, yeah. The, yeah okay. I'm not going to say <laughs> The one with the thing. The one with the thing and the, the thing that happens after. And <laughs> the thing and the place and the person. And squads. And, and, okay. <laughs> I will say, I think the reason it just ended up, like, it's a pretty jam-packed season anyway, but the reason we ended up not doing it was just because it did kind of feel like, you know, especially for Glimmer's arc, like she had just gone through this momentous thing, losing her mother, and then it also moved into this place of, um, of ruling, of being the queen. And it's actually something that happens in the original She-Ra too, like Glimmer's mom goes missing, she becomes the leader of the rebellion, and then her mom comes back, and so she just gets demoted. And then she's like the kind of butt monkey that everyone like makes fun of all the time. And it's just, I always felt so bad for her. It's just like, you know. Um, and so I guess part of it was just wanting to, you know, really see Glimmer come into that place of being a queen. Um, but I still think it's a great idea and I hope we can do it someday. Yeah, but so, the stuff, sorry, just to, to, to cut in really fast, like the stuff that I would see um, in the writer's room when I would peek my head in was just like, we went into the last 26 episodes knowing that it was going to be the last 26 episodes because that was what was ordered. And also, I think that was all that we had in us at that time, <laughs> energy-wise. Um, but that, that, that did mean that, like, there were so many awesome ideas that you guys had that, that I, I saw that, like, kind of had to get put to the side in order to honor yeah. the characters that we were, we were with. It was always fun because we would know when you guys had come in because like I think Diana did this a lot but all of you guys would leave like post-it notes with like your own like suggestions trying to incept like what if we <laughs> shadow weaver? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. 
I like that note. Uh, so my secret headcanon for this, because there's some line where someone tells Adora uh, to go back to where it all began. And then like Angela, you know, gets whatever happens or happens. And so in my head, I'm like, where it all began. What if Angela's on Eternia? Which is such a good segue into my next question that a lot of people asked. So I know there was like rights issues and stuff regarding the classic Masters of the Universe He-Man characters. Uh, a lot of people wanted to know if there was anyone you would have loved to use if you could have, uh, especially Prince Adam and especially poor Mantena. Uh, and then Nathan Henderson asked an incredible question, which is, uh, if you're familiar with these characters, what relationships of theirs would you have used to kind of queer the text of She-Ra even further? Because I think Motu is pretty rife with uh, potential there. Well, I think that He-Man and Man would be dating. And the <laughs> shipping of Loki Mantena? I ship <laughs> Mantena. I ship it. Come on. My new favorite it. ship. Make it happen. <laughs> so chaotic. <laughs> like 50 people are drawing that right now because you just uttered that portmanteau. <laughs> um, you can see the so headlines the question, now. <laughs> was the question like uh, who we would cast? No, like, so who, like who, just who would you have liked to have used, if, if possible? I mean, I would have loved to have seen Skeletor and cast Frank Langella. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Still Langella around. over Alan Oppenheimer, huh? That, yeah. That's a great pull. Yeah. Mingus, what do you think? Mingus is still <laughs> cat. He's the most beautiful cat in the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. You yeah, are all being cool. blessed right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mingus got to play Milog in yes. true original uh, animatics for the last season. So one of our voice actors is present. Yeah, <laughs> handsome boy. <clears throat> all pets, all pets are celebrated and welcomed on the live stream. <laughs> if you have any other ones, feel free to bring them over. <laughs> yeah, so, I think it's kind of hard to say with He Man just because, yeah. like, it was never really a time when that was on the table, and so it's just like it's it hasn't ever really been part of my perception of, of our characters are it's just always like there were a few times I think we tried to like pay homage and sometimes we could and sometimes we couldn't but it's just like yeah He-Man has his own thing going on he has several shows in production um so yeah I, I, it's kind of hard to actually imagine him in the story at this point not to say that it could never happen it's just we need some thought yeah. you gave us you gave us He-Man Tenna and that's enough I of know. a gift it's like already <laughs> enough of an answer I mean I'm into it <laughs> Uh, a lot of our listeners and uh, they, just the fans of your show wrote in to say that they admired you and all of you and the work that you do and the jobs that you get to have every day. So many uh, of our friends asked if you have any advice for people who are trying to write, draw, or create their own animated series, and specifically if there were any um, education or tools you could recommend. And one person actually also asked about uh, how you handle rejection. So just kind of any part of that you'd like to vamp on for our artists at home. I think it'd be really to hear from because everyone here has like a different super important job in animation and they all create these stories in different ways. So I think it'd be really cool to hear from all you guys about mm -hmm. like how you found yourself in this role and what tips you would give for other people hoping to have a similar role. Who wants to jump on that? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, I was gonna say, I feel like everybody's watched how we deal with like rejection and trauma. It was writing. <laughs> 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 
Um, but I know on, on the writing side, like um, a little bit more than art, like there's just so many different ways you can get into writing. Like some people start as assistants. Some people started, like I was a PA on like music videos and commercials for years before like I started like, like writing. Um, I think the biggest uh, advice I guess I would give is just to write, um, to like always be writing, find other people who also want to write, form writers groups with them. Like my first job came off of me finishing a spec script like an hour before I got a call from someone being like, hey, we've got it like, do you want to interview her this? Do you have any writing samples? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I just, it's, it's great. I've had this for so long. Um, but like that wouldn't have happened if like I hadn't been dedicated for years of just like writing, writing with my friends, um, finding other people who are interested in writing. Um, because also a lot of the people that I did writing workshops with, a lot of my fellow like PAs, fellow friends, fellow baristas, like wherever I was working, once one of them got a job, they sort of were able to recommend everybody else. So it was sort of like a lovely network of people all starting out, all sort of dealing with sort of the same issues of like, how do we like, how do we write? How do we spend our time? How do we network? Uh, and it was just like a really, like, it's just really supportive and really helpful to find other people who love to write as much as you. So yeah, I would, my, my recommendation is just, just write, write and find other people. Uh, it doesn't matter if they've already got a writing job. Uh, often the best recommendations come from your friends or people you've met because you share this passion. Yeah. And just since I'm in similar categories, a <laughs> uh, similar path. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, write as much as you can, uh, read as much as you can too. Like I, I come to writing as a reader. Like I was, you know, in, like as a kid, you couldn't pry a book out of my hands and I read scripts so that I could understand the format and, you know, be able to write my own scripts and that helped cultivate my voice. And then just working, you know, if you want to do the Hollywood route of just working as an assistant, uh, that's, that's the way I did it. Uh, but yeah, I think the advice for, if you want to be a writer, start writing. And you always have, you always like put those like references in the script, which I always really noticed. And like, it was really cool. All your episodes <laughs> are these like mishmashes of different genres and like, it was just like, I don't know, like more mysteries and like, that's a straight up, like, you know, reference to these like clue, yeah. like murder mystery dinners. And I just like, <laughs> yeah, I always really, I always really enjoyed seeing what references you would make in the script. Yeah. I know. I was like, no one's going to understand that this is my last of Sheila, but I will understand. Yeah, sure. I guess, I guess. The thing that I would just say about like art in general, um, I think what mattered to me a lot was just drawing what I wanted to draw. I feel like a lot of people chase after like fandoms or like certain styles or stuff like that. Uh, the whole time I was going through art school, the teachers were like, don't draw anime, you won't get a job this way, et cetera, the usual. But it was like, because I drew anime, Tron was like, I was recommended onto Shiro because it's an anime-ish style kind of show. And I was like, oh, so there is a place for this. Yeah. So like, if you draw what you love, it'll show through and people, people will notice that. I think it matters a lot more to be honest with yourself and do what you really love. Yeah. And I felt like we always like, again, we would write, like you were so clear about what kinds of stories, what kind of characters you're passionate about. And so whenever we like, you know, we would throw scenes just for you because we like knew that you would yes. like crush it. And it was like all the emotion, all the like buff ladies with rippling muscles. You Both were just ladies, your, and yes. characters crying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, the, main, 
Dana. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, 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 may, it makes a big difference to, you know, the producers and the writers because it's like they do pay attention and show your passion is like Sharon does. Like it, it changes the, the course of the story. It changes the course of the characters because like that always comes through. Yeah. <laughs> Jen? Uh, yeah, I'll rip off of Sharon too since we're also similar. Um, yeah, actually, honestly, seconding everything you said, Sharon, like, and for me too, I kind of had, I did do the part where like, I drew for myself, I drew fan art, I, I love what I drew, I, it was like my entire life had just been drawing for myself when I decided I wanted to get an animation, I took a lot of classes, kind of like expanded my way of drawing, um, I did a lot of action adventure stuff, like superhero stuff for the first five years of my career, which taught me a lot, but was maybe not my wheelhouse. And, and it kind of burned me out, honestly, after five years. Um, and so when Shira showed up, I was like, wait, this, I want to do this. Uh, <laughs> and, and it really, it, it kind of made me feel like everything was worth it. And it was a case where it was just like, I was drawing what I loved and that made all of the difference. It made the industry suddenly seem like such a magical place to be in. Um, so I'm really grateful to the show and to the crew for, for making it something that I could be so happy to work on. Phil. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know how interested people are in editing, uh, but- it Should be, it's- I'm interested. I am. <laughs> for me, uh, like, uh, I. I was always open to any, you know, opportunity that was out there, but my main focus initially was either music or film editing. And that's what I studied. Uh, but when I got out of school, like finding those jobs were really hard. So I knew a lot of people who also kind of went through the ranks and had issues getting jobs, but they finally did. So networking is important. So I ended up getting my job at DreamWorks because of our other editor on the show, Michelle. So I had never done animation before, but I knew music editing, I knew film editing, and it just, those, to obviously apply to animation, you know, like the rhythmic timing and knowing emotion and all that kind of stuff. So being open to all different types of creative fields is helpful. Um, you never know where you can land. And I don't know, I, I thought I did pretty good on Shira. <laughs> you You're okay. You're all right. <laughs> we talk about fine, like music temps that yeah. like he would yeah. use like well, every nice. time we would see an animatic and oh, like, I'd yeah. be like, what is this score? The score is amazing. And it's so perfectly like it captures, you know, the, the, the emotions and the feelings we were trying to get through. And I still yeah. listen to the, like the score you put together for the princess prom episode. Just, <laughs> yes, me too. You made a, like a, a, an eighties movie for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's actually like, um, so I did this, uh, I had my like secret Catherine Adora playlist going before the final season. And I was like, as a fun little Easter egg, I decided to put this temp score on that Phil would use in <laughs> everything. It's from the leftovers and it's like this really, really beautiful orchestral piece and he put it on every emotional scene. Um, and so it would just like, I just listened to it and I just start crying. And he put it over the scene in Save the Cat where Dora first be turns into She-Ra. And it's so soaring, it's so beautiful. Um, and so I thought that would be fun to like, just put that as an Easter egg. So when you listen to that, you can kind of like imagine it over that scene and kind of imagine the emotion that we were experiencing, like watching like Phil's cut of that scene. Cause so often like, you know, I would be surprised by what he would put in. There was all of the, like he had such a passion for music and then also for sound effects and setting, setting the scene. And it just was so truly immersive. It's like some of the most high quality, like animation animatics that I've like ever seen. It That's felt cool. like you're watching the real episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's something that I feel like people don't always realize about animation. Um, they do maybe think that like about the writers and the board artists, but like 
editors have such a huge hand in crafting the show that you see, like they're behind every single decision in so many ways. And so it's like, I, I learned so much just from watching Phil and like, like, I will now just randomly burst into tears whenever I hear that one song from The Leftovers. <laughs> You're welcome. Phil and Jen coming together to like surprise something in the animatics. It's just like trying to cry in front of everybody and they were successful several yeah. times. That was a real partnership with me and Phil of trying yeah. to one-up each other and um, make Noel cry. And then also Sharon too, like all of the board artists, like I think would talk, come and talk to you, Phil, and be like, well, this is what I had in mind. And then you in turn the, would surprise me. And I'd be like, what? Like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> Obviously, oh it's staying as is. <laughs> my favorite moment of that, because I, I gave this one to you. I told you how I cried at Fun Home the Musical. And there was this one very end of Fun Home the Musical that I that I just like lose it at. And so I told him about that. I walked right into I walked right into it. And he put it over the scene in um in Promise where like like I don't remember exactly which part, but it just like came out of nowhere as I'm watching this animatic, suspecting nothing. And then I'm like crying. I'm like, what the hell, Phil? I told you that in confidence. Oh shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I loved it. Are you kidding? It was amazing. <laughs> so my my very important follow-up question is as many of you know, I'm I'm moving to Hollywood and I'm wondering if any of you would like to read my Shira spec script. It's called The Return of Horde Prime, colon, this time, comma, it's personal. I really know. Um, it's great, guys. I, I have a great career here. Uh, no. So many of you do know for real that Lauren and I have a, a podcast that kind of talks about like progressive sociopolitical issues mixed in with Shira. We got quite a few questions along those lines. There are a couple I would like to pitch to y'all, starting with, uh, obviously, Shira is a big milestone and means a lot to so many queer people, young and uh, adult as well. And uh, we had folks who wanted to know, is this the moment to do similar projects? Do you think that studios are realizing the hunger or need to have shows like this with LGBT relationships for the main characters? And that comes specifically from Sarah Kawa on Twitter. I think, yes, absolutely. Uh, we're seeing it. I mean, uh, like the fans being so vocal on Twitter and trending us every week. Like, the, like I just, I, I said this before, I think during our charity live stream, but you don't power that you have and you don't know how many people are are watching our younger generations to see what the future of animation is and so right now I think it is an incredible moment for this and it's so exciting to me because the more characters the more shows and the more diversity of those stories that we have the more stories we can tell it helps all of us it helps everybody I think for so long it's been like here's the one gay show here's the other like it's like there can only ever be one you know mm -hmm. and I just I uh, it just it ropes you in the corner it, it, it makes it so that your story I, I don't know, like when you're the only, there's so much pressure on it being perfect. And when they're being, when those stories are being made by so many different types of people, the, the potential for what stories we can tell, it opens up, our own imaginations open up. And so I think it's an incredible time in the industry to be pitching stories about LGBT themes, LGBT characters who are at the forefront and are out about like who they are. I, I am very, very excited in this moment. I think we're seeing such incredible leaps and strides and I'm just I'm just really honored to be a part of it at all and I hope to be able to continue making more of these stories. This is about as like high nerd lore as it gets I think in the questions but we've had a couple of people ask um, 
given that Catra used to be a member of the Horde and there are now Horde clones everywhere. Uh, is there a justice system in Etheria? And how do you think um, some of these characters may or may not have to confront their crimes? I think we discussed like a, hor or a uh, reformed Horde Beast Island cleanup mission for like, cause Entrapped had promised the robot in, in um, at the end of season four that she'd come back for him. And so I, I think that like, or her, um, and I, I always wanted to see that. I just wanted to see the like, kind of like, it just seems like a really kooky, fun, like buddy comedy with like Hordak, like, you know, like learning to love this, <laughs> these like, strange creatures and how imperfection is beautiful. Um, but then we also kind of thought, I think that wrong Hordak would be kind of like, he would, he would help reform all the other Horde clones and like show them the way, but maybe also accidentally start his own cult. Because <laughs> that's what he knows. I'm <laughs> like joking. It's just like, okay, like Hordak and Entrapta are like cleaning up Beast Island. She's probably bringing home more clones every day. And then like probably wrong Hordak has like hooked up with like um, uh, 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 Swift Wind. And they're both being like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> keep the revolution going. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can absolutely see him like accidentally forming his own very positive uh, brothers-centric uh, <laughs> clone group. <laughs> <laughs> All positive. Yeah, I do think they do have a justice system though. I feel like that's sort of like Bright Moon and Glimmer and Micah and like that would kind of happen in their court the way that like we've seen them do. In the in the portal reality, so I, I do think that the characters who have not yet paid for their sins, they will be rehabilitated, and um, everyone will be happy, and no one will be sad. Oh, that's really <laughs> sweet. Yeah, it sounds like it's not as much a punitive justice as a yeah a rehabilitative restorative one. Restorative justice. Restorative. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, like cleaning up like Etheria is you know so damaged from years of this war. Like the way for the characters who've contributed to that damage is to really show that they've changed is by fixing it, is to help fix it, so. I was gonna All say right. that's always oh. my favorite, oh, I was gonna say that was always my favorite part of the two-part finale, because like, I, like, I don't, like, we rewrote the finale, but like, so much of it got shaped by Jen and Kiki and Phil and Shannon, all the board artists, and like, I don't remember, I don't think that that moment where the, like, the, the horde ship turns into a tree was in the script, oh. but like, you guys put so, the artist put so much like thought into the fact that Shira heals. Like the last yeah. thing she does in our show isn't to destroy, it's to heal. And, and like, that's, oh, sorry. No, go for it. Oh, I just wanted to um, throw out, that's uh, Jess Zamet, who's I think gonna be on the other panel. So it was one of, like she was always pitching stuff like that to us. And I remember that scene, because in the script it did say that she blew it up, like she blew up Horde Prime ship. Um, and we had made sure to like imply that all the clones had exited and everything. It wasn't going to be like mass murder, but it was going to be destroying. And Jess was like, that's not what I thought that this was about. So like, here's my pitch, which was just like the trees erupting out of the ship and it turning into this like beautiful green, like Ghibli-esque, like, uh, like vision in the sky. And I just, I loved it. I just, I was, I thought that was fun. I felt like my favorite thing is when the board artists and Sharon and Jen and Phil, like they come with these ideas that I'm like, oh my God, of course that's it. I can't believe we didn't think of that. Like we're supposed to be the writers and you guys are like, make, like bringing the story to life in this way that it's just like, honestly, we're just trying to keep up with them so, so often. Yeah, man, you, you let us like 
and it's because uh you guys were so consistent and so like the strips that you gave were just like oh okay i feel this all right i have ideas it was so rewarding to work on all right here's the actual tough one uh we had a couple folks write in about this someone named uh aja aha on twitter uh particularly but uh i also would love to know this so there's kind of a lot of uh, there's motifs of like colonialism in this show uh, with Hordak's conquering of Etheria as kind of the original sin of that. But I also think there's ways in which like the first ones represent this like colonial presence, uh, particularly as some of our listeners have pointed out, uh, because when Mara transforms into She-Ra, she becomes like this blonde white woman, which is really kind of interesting. Um, I just wonder if, are there any thoughts on like, uh, on how that all went into the show. It's obviously kind of a complicated issue. There's no clear reading of it, but but do you have any uh, thoughts on how that informed the politics of the Shira world? I think that it was about colonialism, but also I think it was it was a lot about religion as well, organized religion, and which often intersects with Yeah, they go hand in hand. So I think that the way like someone like Hordak, who is a colonizer, but is also brainwashed and is also has been sort of like created for the purpose of serving this almighty being. Um, and there's all those, it's, it's a very complicated subject. There are all these intersecting uh, issues when it comes to, you know, even just Hordak himself and his role in the story. Um, I think when it came to Mara, like it was, it the, the blonde hair was a mistake on our part. It was something that was like, I did see it as something that was a colonist, sort of like every She-Ra needs blonde eyes or blonde hair and blue eyes, including Mara. Um, her skin doesn't actually change color, but there is a little bit of a filter on those scenes in the past, like a little bit of a golden nostalgia filter, which looks like her skin changes color. Another huge mistake on our part. Um, I think that it was like, you know, whatever our intentions were, like, it was a huge deal to have a brown Shira, and I think that, like, we know better now. We shouldn't have done that, and I'm not going to do that again. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that it, it came from this idea of, like, Mara is also being present, as, as heroic as she is, as, as justice-minded as she is, she's being pushed into a system that is that is sort of flattening out who she is and, and taking her agency away. And that's what she's fighting against. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, I, if, if we had the chance to do it again, that's not how we would do it. So it is a story about, I think, rising up about, um, you know, fighting against injustice. And we tried to reflect that in every way we could in the story, but it's also like, you know, we made mistakes really do appreciate the fans making it clear when it's not good enough because those are things that we need to hear. Those are things that all creators need to think about. It needs to be something that's very, very thoughtful. And so, I mean, having that uh, discourse around it, having that kind of like dialogue is a really, really good thing. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys expecting better from us. I mean, to me, I, I'm sorry if that sounded like I was trying to attack y'all too, because I, no, I actually read it. <laughs> I, I, I've seen, I've seen the dialogue around it, and I think it's a really good dialogue, and it mm -hmm. is something that I've wanted to talk about and try about the best. But you know, I think it's a good time and place. I just, I kind of read it almost like, you know, how the more Star Wars movies you watch, you kind of start to figure out that the Jedi are bad guys too, in in a way. That's how I looked at the first ones, and I, I remember having talks with Lauren and with some of our guests about how how juicy it would be to explore the first ones like in a fully colonial setting. And I, I think there is part of that there, but yeah, it's really interesting lore. And I think it does add to like the kind of sociopolitical pastiche that, that makes the show so interesting. So thank you for answering that question. I think also just to, to piggyback on it, but 
I think the show talks about the mistakes of generations too, mm -hmm. in a way that I've really loved. Cause I think that's something we all deal with of just like, this was right, or this was seen as right 50 years ago and it's certainly not right today. And it wasn't right back then either, but we're all kind of learning. And I really appreciate that about our characters is that, you know, we have these mom figures who are making mistakes and, you know, Glimmer gets to step up and be a better, a better queen maybe. Um, <laughs> and, and, and lead some, you know, a lead a revolution. And I, I always really love that about our characters and that type of storytelling too, of recognizing the wrongs of the past and trying to fix it. Yeah. Although it's like we bribed you, M, because the next, uh, the third part of our, of our interview here, we want to do sort of a quick fire. Like I said, 1,000 questions, so much to get through. <laughs> and so there's some real like finicky stuff that it can be yes or no, it can be one sentence. And the first one in our quick fire is who gets to rule Bright Moon now? Glimmer. All right. Yeah, my, my kid's more of a regent. Um, I think he'd help for sure, but Glimmer is like, she's already been, you know, crowned. I like the idea that he might find wherever Mermista's dad has retired. They've got retired. Oh yeah, Dad Island. Dad, dad Island. Island. Dad Island. We also talked about we talked about Mom Planet, where all the moms go. <laughs> yeah. Rose, okay. all yeah. the yeah. moms are on this planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, sorry about sorry. Given <laughs> given that I'm like, <laughs> I'm sort of like an ancillary part of the fandom. Like I'm not a creator of the show, but I have the podcast. I have referred to myself as the wine mom of the fandom. And I'm glad <laughs> there's a place, there's a whole planet where I can go. Uh, <laughs> but you won't be happy until Angela's there with you. <laughs> she might be there. She might. We didn't answer it today. Is, that the, is Angela on Mom Island? Is that the big secret? <laughs> mom yeah, Planet. She's waiting for us at the He's bar. having a great time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Another quick one. Is Entrapta's hair natural or technology? Oh, boy. I always thought it was natural. Yeah. I think Ray might have had a different idea and Ray designed her. So... I think that there is technology in her hair, but I always thought that her hair was also her princess power. That's my opinion. That's kind of my interpretation too. <laughs> I can't believe we're about to ask this one, Eric. I can't believe you put this in. I um, love this question. <laughs> if, right. Katra, if Katra doesn't like water, how does she bathe? <laughs> <laughs> Weird. It's weird. <laughs> they do it in the show in the second episode. She's like cleaning herself. She's like, yeah. She's a cat. I guess I figured she probably gets gets sweatier than the average house cat, but you know, she, the, she's no, yeah, I, she's powerful. Yeah. Why you gotta make it a weird damp area? washcloth? You know, <laughs> there's other ways to get clean. Some like dry shampoo. Yeah, my um, preference as well. Ew. <laughs> Why is that gross? <laughs> you have so much hair. You have so much hair. Uh, what is Shira's sword made out of? Crystals. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Oh, Friendship. Magic. Love. Rainbows. Uh, crystals. <laughs> and pretty much every first one's thing is a crystal. <laughs> yeah. I looked at the rock, which is a crystal. <laughs> Thank you, Josie. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, entrapped deck people in the chat, where are you? Let me see some entrapped deck in the chat right now because the question is, does Hordak ever realize that the crystal on his chest says loved? Do you think Hordak can read? I don't. <laughs> That's why it's a question. That's why it's a question. Just in general. It have a name. I think it's <laughs> going to take him a while. I don't know if the Horde has a written language, and I don't know. I definitely don't think that Hordak knows anything about First Ones tech. So, other than what Entrapta showed him. So, I mean, maybe she tells him. I don't know. I was going to say, would she tell him? I don't know. She yeah. might. She might just like always laugh and just assume he knows. <laughs> she knows. She knows. Did she just find a crystal that happened to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, perfect. She just found it on the ground. I mean, maybe it said loved because she found it. It's oh, actually it. spelled backwards. It's vul. <laughs> yeah, the devil. I don't know if anybody knew oh. that. Just as <laughs> lunch? <laughs> it says lunch. Yeah, it says lunch. Forever, forever now. <laughs> <laughs> It's just random. Uh, are there other runestones or princesses we have not met yet? Hmm. I think I've always thought that like the runestones that we see in the show and, and in the graphic novel, they get into the missing fire runestone, which as writers, we were always kind of talking about. We wanted to use it, but it was a pretty big, pretty big episode the way we were pitching it. And we didn't have the resources for it at that time. Um, so we always kind of thought that there might be other runestones that are defunct. You hear George and Lance talk about that. There are shards of runestones that are working. I think the runestones that we see in the show are the ones that are up and functional, the kind of like elemental runestones. But there are a ton of other princesses who have other powers and are also like tied into the magic of Etheria. So like Entrapta, Spenarla and Natasa, like all these princesses who don't power have the magic, they're charged by magic of the world um uh, it's like sort of that was that was how i viewed it but i think we definitely confused ourselves a little bit with the runestone <laughs> mythology at some point <laughs> it's fine all right, it's, all right it's, been, it's been an hour Here, do you want to take the, it everybody in the chat here's here's the big one um okay literally over 200 questions. In fact, someone emailed us about five times with this very the question. The same, just over and over. This, yes, so we hear you. Okay, what is next for She-Ra? Will we see graphic novels, comics, a Christmas special, maybe with revelations, a sixth season, a movie, an RPG source book? Is, is there anything you can share with us? You brushed over the word movie like it was just part of a list, but I need you to okay. know that so many of the emails were just the word I'm sorry. movie and, and all emojis. Caps. Yes. That was it. That was movie, 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 movie. Yes. Movie. Guys, I shook I, my desk. Like, the future could hold many things for all of us. And I think that if there were a She-Ra movie, all of us would be very excited to be a part of it. Um, we don't control those things. And I really, really appreciate the outpouring of support that all of you on Twitter have been, have been showing. Like it, it means so much, not just for us, but for all of the other people making other shows who like now they have like a, an example to be like, look, this is, this is successful. We want this so much. Like we can do this on our own show. And so like, I can't like overstate how much impact you have as a group so thank you thank you for showing us that support thank you for showing that support to you know 
of all of the shows that have LGBT content. I think it's huge. You're, you're doing amazing work. Um, but I can't, I can't really like say either way. And it's something that like, again, I, I would love to do that. I don't, um, I don't have any news on that at this point. I think that you have inspired so many people by not directly refuting the premise that there could be a movie. Uh, that, so. The hashtags will live on. <laughs> yeah. We are, I mean, the chance to revisit Etheria and I would love for it to be a reunion of all these amazing people that you see on your screens. Like I, I just wanna, you know, hang out in Phil's office again and watch him like, you know, alarming knuckle cracks into the scene that we're watching <laughs> and freak our executives out. Um, and I hope that we get that chance again. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the future, the future is bright. The future holds many things. I hope, I hope to, um, you know, be able to, whether it's a sheer movie or, or something else, just keep making stories for you. That's beautiful. Uh, I think we only have one more and it's another group question. Lauren, this, I think this is in your, your court here. Sure, you can take this one in many directions, uh, as I sure, I'm sure you have before, but please share with us, how has working on She-Ra affected your lives? Oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh. Oh. I can't start. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's, let's go reverse of how we open. So let's start with Phil. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, just to start, like I have, a genuine family with this whole crew. Like, I I can't tell you how much love I felt just being a part of the show. I mean, it, yeah, at first it was a job, but it became like something bigger because we were through the trenches together and we learned to be friends with each other and love each other and be better for it. And I don't know, I'm still friends with everybody now still. And like, I'm happy that I have you in my lives and it, my life is so much better for it. And it's also offered me opportunities for work to do better and cool things. Not better, but like other nice, cool things. So I don't know. My life is infinitely better because of this show for many reasons. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, nope. I don't know. <laughs> Noelle? Um, I mean, just seconding what Phil said, um, I think we had a, like a joke that maybe started as a joke, but it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a joke. And it was that She-Ra taught us how to love. That wasn't a joke. Um, I meant that. Me no, like, I 100% meant that. You know, starting out, I was a completely different person. This was almost five years ago now. And um, th like through fire and through, you know, like some of the hardest stuff we've ever done, I think. I just, I, I've grown so much as a person. And I do, like all of these people are like, you know, so, so our relationship, our friendship, uh, our working relationship, the show that we made together is always going to be so, just one of the biggest and brightest moments in my life. And the opportunity to do it with these people um, is, it just means everything. And, and both as like for being proud of the show, being proud of the story that we told and the characters that we brought to life. But it like so much more than that, it just felt like I was really like living in Etheria with these characters, with these people who like made, who poured their hearts into it and made it real. And I just like, you know, I'm never, I'll never be the same again in the best of ways. And I, I'm just really glad to still have all these people in my life and just to know them because they're all amazing and everything that they do, follow them wherever they go because they are solid. Jen? Ah, I know. Um, everything that has been said so far. Yeah, like, 
I kind of alluded to it before too, but like my my career up until Shira, I, I really appreciate because it, it taught me so much. I learned so much at every job, but like Shira was the first show that I worked on where I felt like I sat down, read the script, and I was like, this is it. This is exactly like, I, I understand this. Um, I could really intensely relate to this. Um, I want the show to exist. This is a show that I wanted to work on without ever realizing it. And so like, as hard as it was, it was so important um, for me and I think for everybody else to kind of hold on to each other and help each other through the really hard times to get towards the end where we really just kind of gel together and we're just like, yeah, this is it. Like, we got to, we got to do it. I'm so proud of everyone who worked on the show at any point um, because it, it just, it really did change my life. Like, it made me a better person. It made me a better manager. Um, and yeah, like it's opened a lot of professional doors even afterwards where like people will ask about the show and how it was working on it. And it was, I can always saying is a gift. It was like such a gift to be able to collaborate with so many amazing people. Sharon, how about you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. What everyone said before, like it just, Shira was like, I had one job before this, but just for a few months, like this was the show where I went from like revisionist to board artist. And it's just like, I, I figured out so much about myself, like not just career wise, but also just like as a person wise, like, yeah. And it was just the most amazing opportunity to work with like people that you feel like you could really talk to about anything and just like you could collaborate with and just, yeah. It was the first time feeling like part of a really big like family and like finding somewhere you like, I was really happy to go into work every day, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> em, how are you feeling? You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. But I, you know, echoing exactly what everyone said of, you know, this community, this crew, the writer's room, it was, uh, it was something really special. And uh, it was my first staff job too. And I feel like, you know, I got a chance to, to learn and to grow as a writer, but, you know, as a human being, I think, um, I <laughs> I remember my first week I joked that uh, I had a pitch that uh, Shira was going to get tricked into believing in herself in this episode. <laughs> and it, it, the trick was I <laughs> tricked into believing in myself uh, through the course of this show, just, um, uh, you know, Josie and Noel just leading this way of inviting us into every room, making sure we all felt a part of the process. And, and having, you know, this sense that we were part of this community and a part of this show. And I learned so much and I take that with me uh, for every job since then. And like everyone said, this has opened so many doors um, for me and uh, it's always going to be a really special time in my life. And Josie, closing it out. Boy, this better be good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of what everybody said. Like, I feel like this show, show like set the set the bar in so many ways for like me professionally and personally. Like, it was I mean, it was, like honestly, it was the first time I had been in a writers' room with a single other woman. Like, this was the first time I was working on a show that wasn't just here's a bunch of dudes that I'm writing for. Like, it's it was so inclusive from the get go. Um, and everybody was so collaborative. Which again, like, it's not every show is like that. It's just the fact that. So much of it was shaped by us knowing like, okay, I'm writing an episode and Jen's gonna get this episode. And I know that she's gonna give Sharon the Scorpio bits. And I know that Phil's gonna add his like spin on it. Like it just, <laughs> like nobody can make something uh, like in a vacuum. And I think Shira like more than anything was like, oh, we're, we've all come together like as a crew. And then we've all come together as friends. Like 
you know, we, we still hang out. We still talk, well, Zoom hang out, but like we still <laughs> talk to each other. And it like, it was a lovely, the, the personal bar was just like, here's a bunch of people who I love spending time with, I love talking to, and who are so supportive in so many different ways. Uh, and like, I, I think like working on the show made me, like it definitely made me a better writer, but I think it made me a better person. And that's because of everybody here. So thank you guys. <laughs> that was amazing what a what a good way to close out so i think that's going to bring us to the end of our questions for this first panel we do have another one coming before i drop that i it, i would be remiss not to remind people watching that lauren and i do co-host the podcast about shira we have done 96 episodes so we only have four more this is going to be tomorrow's episode so if you want to rehear the audio you can listen to it it's called shira progressive of power a lot of the people on this stream have been on the show. We've also had some of the cast. We've had a lot of really cool people. We had uh, Matt Young from uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern on a few weeks ago. I think he made a couple listeners cry because Matt's a really heartfelt dude. Um, yeah, what else do we need to say? Oh, and then the next time we're doing this, uh, so we just got word that apparently panel two, and I don't know all the participants yet, but it's going to be some more of your faves, is going to happen next Wednesday, August 26th, probably same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, before we go for real Z's, does anyone have something they're working on right now or another place where your work can be seen or heard that you would like to plug? I know there is a certain Star Trek cartoon, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I got them right here. <laughs> From the little babies. Aw. Aw. They're so cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, Star Trek Lower Decks, Thursday, CBS All Access, or wait and then get a free subscription <laughs> for 30 days it's, and binge watch it. It's really good. Yeah. Josie, any plugs? Sure. I mean, uh, DreamWorks Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous is coming out in September, which actually got to steal M to write with me on that uh, for that uh, first season. Oh, so. I got this. Every show that she's worked on right now. All my hero stuff tiny. is over there. <laughs> I'm going to look for M to pull something off her bookshelf for every plug that everybody has now. So let's, <laughs> Sharon, what, what do you got? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, most of it's all NDA, I guess. Just the, uh, <laughs> but uh, the new powerhouse show that I worked on, the, I think they changed the title to Blood of Zeus will be coming out sometime i don't know what it's <laughs> gonna be badass i bet yeah. and then if you love yeah. buff lesbians just keep an eye on sharon not that show, but yeah <laughs> uh, the one i don't we'll know find out. i don't have an nda but i also have no idea what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. in a while I'm I'm in children. general <laughs> <laughs> thank you jen uh also, NDA, um, the one thing that I have worked on since year that has been announced has been Centaur World, which is um, a Netflix musical road trip comedy about a horse who gets transported to a magical world of centaurs uh, and has to find her way home. Um, and that's going to come out sometime next year, maybe. Uh, it's going to be really wild. I'm, I'm excited for people to see it. Um, and then, yeah, working on other stuff that I'm super excited about, but uh, can't talk about just yet. Dang, all these NDAs. Phil, got, any, got anything you can talk about? Uh, I mean, something that I did work on since Chira, but I don't work on it now, is Maya and the Three, uh, Jorge Gutierrez project uh, about another powerful princess. Uh, don't know when that's coming out either, but I did do some work on that. So look, look out for that whenever it happens. <laughs> and Noelle. I 
have a few things brewing. I, again, I can't talk about them yet, um, but I'm really, really excited. I, I think if you enjoy Shira, you will also enjoy these other things I'm working on. And some of them are really, really close to my heart. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Ginger Hazing, I'll post a Awesome. Well, this was so great. Thank you all for being here. This is uh, really great. Thank you to uh, Tom Dyke and, and to uh, Tori for moderating and doing all the tech and everything. You've been wonderful as well. Thank I don't you. know if that chat could even be moderated, but thanks for watching <laughs> it go. The beautiful like chaotic energy of the yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful seeing it just constantly move. Um, I haven't had it up in the background. For all of you. I'm like, I'm, I keep looking over here going. and looking at it. Um, at its peak, we had over 2,600 people watching. Wow. And so thank you to everyone who was tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, I can hear you clapping. I know you're out there. Uh, <laughs> we have plenty of questions for the next panel because like we said, over a thousand. But if there's something that didn't get asked at this one that you are really still itching to know, you can email us. That is progressiveofpower at gmail.com. And we will see you at the next panel. Otherwise, we're just going to say movie 200 times. Movie. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Movie. <laughs> movie. Movie. Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressive of power.